Kevin Bay. This is Jason the Yield. I think I'm back on track. So I'm a couple days late. Let me get all this adjusted here. Get the music out. Yeah, so I'm, I'm two days late. I was supposed to do this on Monday. I try to do these on Monday. And Windows 10 has thrown me for a loop. I was, uh, I was trying to, um, I, trying to blah, 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 blah. What I was doing is my Drobo died and it took out one of the hard drives and I, you know, nobody, I don't know how many people use Drobos anymore. This one was pretty old anyway. So it died and I was going to replace it and I was going to get a Synology NAS and all this kind of stuff. And then I realized, you know, the amount of data that I have, hard drives exist now that are large enough where I don't really need uh, a, a dedicated box that is hot swappable for drives, blah, blah, blah. So what I did was, is I bought some eight terabyte drives and I put all my, all my data, my important data, like family photos, home videos, all this stuff that I've collected over the years that's just all on a hard drive. And I put them all on a single eight terabyte drive. And then I, I have another eight terabyte drive that I use Windows file history, which I, after doing, after going through all this mess, I find out file history is probably going to get deprecated. But anyway, so using file history, it updates the backup drive as I make changes to the data on the data drive. All well and good. And then I put in a third eight terabyte drive, which I have a separate uh, third party software that will then clone that drive once a quarter. You know, I could do it once a month, but I don't I don't think I change the data on that drive that often where I need to do it once a month. I think once a quarter is good. I may change it later or whatever. Uh, so in the process of removing all these drives, I've got these extra hard drives. So I have uh, a couple of six terabyte drives. And what I wanted to do is put it in my main computer and move the Windows install from the two terabyte drive over to the six terabyte drive for no other reason other than that I have this larger drive and may as well use it. Thinking, I, I haven't done anything like this in a long, long time. You know, I uh, I do fresh installs of Windows every once in a while, uh, depending on the machine. But on this one, I, I haven't done something where I wanted to save the current installation, configuration, applications, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of push it onto a, a, a larger drive. So in the past, I, you know, I've made a system image, and then I'll restore that system image to a new drive. And granted, this is a long time ago. So I'm thinking 2020, or I'm sorry, 2022, I'm two years behind. 2022, Windows 10 would have built-in tools that would make this very simple. And it didn't, <laughs> needless to say. So I, I, did the, I did the image, I transferred uh, the installation over, and it all worked out fine. But uh, on the six terabyte drive, it partitioned it in such a way where the, it, it basically created a, the exact same two terabyte drive on a six terabyte drive. 
all the partitions were were the same and i had this extra uh three terabytes that were just kind of sitting there unallocated so i'm like okay fine whatever i'll just uh partition that section and you know create another drive uh for my windows install but it wouldn't let me do that it said that i needed to create a dynamic drive instead of a basic drive and i haven't looked at this kind of stuff in so long i don't even know if i ever remember anything like that before i don't know if that's new to windows 8 windows 10 whatever we got going here uh, but so I'm like, fine, I create the dynamic drive and it gives me a warning saying I, I won't be able to go backwards or I won't be able to install. I forgot what the warning message was. It would give me some stupid ass war- warning. I'm sorry. I shouldn't swear on this, on this particular podcast. I'm not supposed to swear. Uh, in any case, so I, I create the dynamic drive and it will not let me extend the volume, extend that partition to utilize the other partition that I have there. So I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe with this dynamic drive, I can still keep the Windows partition installed at at two terabytes, and then I'll go over and the extra three plus terabytes create a new drive out of that, and it still wouldn't let me do it. So I'm stuck here now with a six terabyte drive that's that's been made a two terabyte drive by Windows, and no easy way to extend partitions. I thought, you know, 2022, all this stuff would have been much easier by now, but apparently not, because apparently, probably nobody does this kind of crap anymore. So, um, you know, I, I go in, in my searching around and trying to solve this problem and, and, and get it fixed, I discover that also converting your hard drive to a dynamic drive is a mistake because it's Microsoft, it's proprietary to Microsoft Windows, and it that also is being deprecated and it, it's unreliable. The disk imaging uh, function in Windows is unreliable that I should be using a third-party app. These are things I haven't thought about in years, you know, thinking, trusting that Microsoft has improved. And by the way, I am an investor in Microsoft. But, you know, thinking that they improve things to the point where I wouldn't have to go through the rigmarole of doing a fresh install of Windows and reinstalling all my applications. Now, you know, the thing that I that I do that at least saves me some trouble is I don't save any data on the same drive with the OS. All the data that I have for anything that I do, it's all on separate hard drives. So that way if I do need to do a fresh install, I just install the other the applications and I'm back up and running as quickly as I can install everything. Which is of course what I actually had to do all over again, which I hate going through this process because it takes forever and there's always a you know, normally when I used to do this, and I know I'm going on and on and this is supposed to be investing and not my not me complaining. But when I used to do this years ago, you know, I would always have a pad of paper and I would just write down all the applications that I'm currently using, because sometimes I I have applications that I use, but I don't use them often. So they just kind of sit there, uh, you know, the the icons sit there on the desktop or in a folder someplace, and like, okay, this is what I this is what I want to launch from time to time. So I make a list of all the things that I want to run, and then I can go down the list and reinstall everything. This time, because of what I did. I ended up actually blowing up that install by trying to flip around, <laughs> fooling around with partitions and stuff. 
It just never worked. So to make a long story long, uh, this is why I didn't post on Monday because I was busy blowing up my install in the morning and then screwing around trying to fix the problem all Monday afternoon. And uh, I actually started the reinstallation process yesterday of reinstalling Windows, reinstalling Office, all the browsers I use, browser extensions, making sure everything works, blah, blah, blah. So that's why I didn't post, uh, that's why I didn't record on Monday. That's why I'm recording today. I'm going to leave the date the way it is, March 14th. This is supposed to be Chasing the Yield, by the way. My name's Kevin Bay. Uh, this is supposed to be for March 14th, 2022, episode 44. And if you like that rant, stay tuned. No, I'm not going to rant again, I promise. Uh, but you can donate uh, to this uh, podcast. There's a big red donate button on the website and on the uh, podcast uh, show notes page. It's also a value for value podcast where if you're using a modern podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com and you get one that is an, a value for value enabled, you can stream Bitcoin micropayments to me and send me a boost or boost a grammar too. And by the way, thank you for the few who have done so. Uh, I didn't receive any boostograms with messages yet, but a few little boosts, a few little satoshis, and it is appreciated uh, because it it gives me some incentive to keep going. Anyway, sip of coffee. So as into the podcast here, well, as everybody knows, Russia is dominating... The headlines, once again, uh, the Ukrainian President Zelensky spoke before Congress today. The Fed has announced that they're to raise interest rates for the first time since 2018. Or I don't, they haven't, they didn't announce it yet, did he? Let's see, Treasury yields waiver ahead of Fed decision, U.S. government bond yields bounce between small gains, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's announced, I think it's just expected. So the market was like way up today, and now it's kind of heading on the way down, at least for the Dow. Um, it's still up. It's kind of dipped below a little bit earlier, but it's slightly up. S&P slightly up. NASDAQ is up 1%. Russell 2000 is up 1.89, which is better for, you know, because I have one portfolio that uh, contains a mutual fund that mimics the Russell 2000. So... Um, things are up in the air still. We don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully things calm down with Russia and Ukraine and we can all get get back to normal life, especially since COVID is gone, uh, successfully uh, removed from, uh, from, from the popular consciousness due to war. Oh, here's a little thing of uh, fresh news. Uh, Starbucks CEO to step down. Kevin Johnson stepping down and handing leadership back to former longtime CEO Howard Schultz, who will serve in an interim role as the coffee chain works to move past the COVID-19 pandemic and confronts a unionization push. And I don't know how they unionize Starbucks, but I, for one, will not pay that much. It's already expensive to buy Starbucks coffee if in the store, so I don't want to buy you know, uh, $10. Oh, wait, they're breaking news. Jeez. Uh, the Fed raises interest rates by a quarter point, the first increase since 2018. Uh, so here's a story in the Wall Street Journal. The Federal Reserve said it would lift interest rates and penciled in a series of further increases this year aimed at stopping the economy from overheating and reducing inflation. 
Uh, well, then I got a fresh login to the Wall Street Journal, so now I got all the pop-ups happening again. Uh, let's see. Reducing inflation that's running at its highest levels in four decades. Fed officials said Wednesday they would raise their benchmark federal funds rate by a quarter percentage point to a range between 0.25% and half a percent from near zero, and most of them projecting pushing it up to at least the level that prevailed before the pandemic hit the U.S. economy two years ago. I'd like to see interest rates back up. Um, probably in the 2 to 3% range at the very least. Uh, it would be nice because I can, I can slide some money into a federally protected account that would earn just a small amount of interest uh, that would be secure, and I, you know, I wouldn't have to risk so much. Or at least risk everything, virtually everything. Uh, okay, moving down the news... Uh, these are all, I think I got, everything's from Wall Street Journal last week, but, uh, public pension funds may be over-dependent on stocks. The story says U.S. state and local government pension funds control more than $4 trillion in public worker retirement savings, but will need hundreds of billions of additional dollars to cover promised future benefits. Over the past 12 years, blockbuster stock performance has swelled pension coffers, bringing state and local governments closer to being able to cover those liabilities and taking some of the pressure off of taxpayers already burdened by high pension costs. A downturn, however, could ultimately squeeze state and local budgets. That is because when pension fund returns fall short, the workers and government employers that pay into them end up, being, end up helping to make up the shortfall. Annual pension contributions are already a drag on the finances of some cities and states, leaving less money for operations and debt payments and leading to credit rating downgrades, which is why I left Illinois. Their pension obligations for the state of Illinois, for Cook County, and for the city of Chicago were just out of this world. Uh, Procter & Gamble, they announced they're going to cut capital investments and suspend ads in Russia, uh, but they'll continue selling consumer staples. Procter & Gamble said on Monday that it will scale back operations in Russia. Chief Executive John Moeller, in a letter to employees, said the maker of Tide and Pampers will halt uh, spending on capital investments, advertising, and promotions while selling only products that focus on basic health, hygiene, and personal care. Uh, Procter & Gamble has a current, uh, at least at the time of my posting of this, had a dividend yield of 2.34%, rated very safe by Simply Safe Dividends, and I hold uh, P&G in my low-yield portfolio, and it is 0.6% of the total of all my portfolios. Coca-Cola was taking heat for continuing operations in Russia, and I think since then they've suspended, so uh, at least partly. Uh, Coca-Cola has a current dividend yield 2.97% and is rated as safe by Simply Safe Dev Dividends. Coca-Cola is in my low and me medium yield portfolios. In total, Coca-Cola is 1.4% of my portfolio. Here is, let's see, I, oh, I can actually, if you're watching on YouTube, um, I can actually play this video. This is interesting. I forgot that I posted a video here. So let's pot this up. Ready? Trending right now, a growing number of companies pulling their business from Russia after its attack on Ukraine. But now one Atlanta-based business is under fire for continuing to operate there. Our Brooks Baptiste has more on this with the other stories.
top in your feeds this morning, Brooks. Hey, good morning to you guys. Coca-Cola facing some pretty harsh criticism for continuing its operations in Russia. Over the weekend, the hashtag boycott Coca-Cola was actually trending on Twitter. This morning, many calling for the Atlanta-based company to pull its products because of Russia's attack on Ukraine. Multiple Ukrainian supermarkets are now saying that they're going to keep Coca-Cola products from their store shelves as long as the company continues to do business with Russia. Just last week, Coca-Cola donated $1 million directly to the Red Cross operating in Ukraine. So I'm not in, uh, I'm not in favor of all of these corporate boycotts pulling out of um russia only in in the respect and in in terms of i think we still need to continue to uh win the hearts and minds of the russian people and i don't know if we're going to get them on necessarily on our side and uh you know at least not support their government's war um if they are not suffering themselves. And I think, you know, the Russian people with the sanctions being leveled on the government of Russia and now on the people of Russia, basically, uh, you're not going to win over their support for stopping this. Uh, Shell, Shell to withdraw from Russian oil and gas. Shell had previously said it would pull out of a number of joint ventures in the country. On Tuesday, it said it would also shut its service stations and aviation fuels and lubricants operations in Russia, and it won't renew any Russian term contracts. It said it would find alternative supplies of oil as soon as possible, though it cautioned it could take weeks to fully make up the difference, leading to reduced production at some refineries. Shell faced a backlash last week over the weekend and over the weekend when it snapped up a cargo of Russian crude at a bargain price after many other players had started to curtail their purchases, creating an informal embargo from some buyers in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Shell owns 68.5% of Shell Midstream Partners, and Shell Midstream Partners has a current dividend yield of 8.41%, rated as borderline safe by Simply Safe Dividends, and I hold Shell Midstream Partners in my high-yield portfolio, and in total it is 1.7% of my portfolio. Unilever suspends most operations in Russia. Like P&G, Unilever will continue to uh, supply essential food and hygiene products. Unilever PLC said it will stop its advertising and media media spending in Russia, as well as suspending all imports and exports of its products into and out of the country. Unilever is the first major food maker to say that it is suspending imports and exports in Russia. The company doesn't break out its sales in the region. We will not invest in uh, we will not invest any further capital into the country, nor will we profit from our presence in Russia, Chief Executive Alan Jope said in a statement. Pepsi. Pepsi exploring options for its business units in Russia. And I think also since I posted this, they also said that they're going to stop uh, uh, business in Russia for now. Large Western companies are under increasing pressure to pull out of the country in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. PepsiCo is reluctant to shut down its Russian unit, which includes a large dairy business it bought out for $5 billion a decade ago, because tens of thousands of Russians depend on the company for their livelihoods and for daily essentials like milk and baby formula, the people familiar with the matter said. Revenue from PepsiCo's Russian unit was $3.4 billion in 2021, making it the third largest market for the company after the U.S. and Mexico. 
The impact of writing off the Russian unit would be minimal because it contributes little to PepsiCo's earnings, some of the people said. And let's see, individual investors are jumping into energy stocks. And the energy sector makes up 21% of my total portfolio. On Monday, retail investors purchased a net of 340 million of U.S. listed energy stocks and exchange traded funds, the most in one day in VandaTrack data going back to 2014. Over the five trading days through Tuesday, they bought a net of 122.05 million uh, of Chevron Corp shares. I'm sorry, I should read that in dollars. They bought a net 122.05 million dollars of Chevron Corp shares and a net $88.79 million of Occidental Petroleum Corp shares, according to VandaTrack. Energy is the only S&P 500 sector in positive territory for 2022. The group is up 36% for the year, compared to a decline of 11% for the broad U.S. stock index. The sector pulled back on Wednesday morning, falling 2.3% as oil declined in daily trading. Now, the energy sector, I do hold Chevron and I do hold Exxon. But a lot of the other stuff I have are pipeline and gas and oil storage and transport. And those have not enjoyed the same increase as um, oil producers, energy producers. Uh, portfolio update. Uh, the, my low yield portfolio is down 1.92% for the week down 0.81% for the month, and down 4.94% for the year so far. My medium yield portfolio is down 2.06% for the week, 2.2 down 2.2% for the month, and down 3.83% for the year. Oh, I keep changing. I keep, I got to remember to change this. It says 2021. It should say 2022. Okay. Um, my high yield portfolio is down, was down 1.13% last week down 0.62% for the month, but still up 3.63% for the year. I'm not so sure that's going to hold up to that this week. We'll have to see. Dividends received this week. Um, I'm going to, I'm trying something new here. I, I may do it in a different way, but for right now, it is what it is. I'm just listing them out. I wanted to make sure I covered the dividends I'm receiving, not just for the medium and high yield portfolios because those dividends actually go into my pocket and provide my uh, standard of living where the other ones from my, my IRA, those get reinvested back into the company. So what I've done now is I'm listing all of them out and I'll put a little asterisk next to what's received from the ones from the IRA. So Johnson and Johnson paid out $43.86 and $64.66. Target paid out $44.95. Chevron paid out $68.52. Microsoft paid out $15.86. Exxon paid out $75.45. Sunoco Products paid $42.81. IBM paid $69.71. Maybe I'll stack these up. The first ones will be reinvested dividends from the IRA and then at the bottom will be the ones that actually go into my pocket because now I'm hitting some of the repeats. 
Uh, IBM paid $69.71. Sunoco products again paid $63.90. IBM paid $100.04. Cabot Corp paid $33.77. Walgreens Boots Alliance paid $52.69. And Prudential Financial paid $130.80. In dividend events, uh, WP Carey announced its next dividend of $1. 0.057 cents per share, $1.057 cents per share, a 19% increase over the company's previous payout. Did I say 19? A 0.19% increase over the company's previous payout of a dollar point a dollar five and a half cents. A dollar and five and a half cents. Wow. I really can't get this stuff out of my head properly today. Uh, Target, <clears throat> the rest are all in line with their previous payout. Target announced its next dividend of $0.90 cents per share. First of Long Island Corporation, their next dividend of $0.20 cents per share. Pembina Pipeline, or Pembina, I still haven't figured out how they pronounce it, Pembina or Pembina. Uh, their next dividend of $0.21 Canadian cents per share. And SLR Investment Corp announced their next dividend of $0.41 cents per share. All of those are in line with their previous payouts. A reminder that this is a podcasting 2.0 compatible podcast. That means if you're listening to this on a podcasting 2.0 compatible app, you'll have access to transcripts, chapters, and chapter images that accompany each episode. Please go to newpodcastapps.com to download and support these modern independent apps and go to podcastindex.org to support podcasting 2.0. This is a value for value podcast, which means that if you're using one of those new podcast apps that support value for value streaming or the value for value model um you can stream bitcoin micropayments to me and they will each have their own uh, wallet in there that is very easy uh, to load if you already have some bitcoin in some form Uh, i am not a registered investment advisor broker or dealer i may have positions in any financial financial instrument product or company mentioned on the website or on the podcast Information provided on the website or the podcast is provided for information and entertainment purposes only and are not intended as advice or recommendation or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or financial instrument. All opinions are based upon sources believed to be accurate and are provided in good faith. No warranty, representation, or guarantee expressed or implied expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy of the information contained herein. Please contact an investment professional if you have any questions regarding an investment. Uh, For questions or comments, you can contact me at mail, M-A-I-L, at chasingtheyield.com. I also have links to uh, that email address, my Twitter account, and Facebook at the bottom of the show notes. That is it. I've done my rant. I've gotten through this. Um, It's posted two days late, but whatever. Hopefully things get resolved and we can all go back to living our fun, carefree lives next week. So have a good weekend. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.